This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Tuesday, March 18th, 2014. I'm Caleb Brown. When must your First Amendment right to free expression be trumped by the demands of anti-discrimination laws? Ilya Shapiro, a senior fellow in constitutional studies at the Cato Institute, argues that in a world of myriad choices for services, it's not clear why the state should compel artistic business people to serve ideas they oppose. This appears to be one of those cases where you have the First Amendment coming into conflict with uh, a legal term that's thrown around a lot, which is a public accommodation. Help us sort those things out. Well, more broadly, anti-discrimination law, uh, because what's going on here is the New Mexico photographer who has served uh, gay clients uh, in the past did not want to work a same-sex commitment ceremony uh, because it was against uh, her religious beliefs. And uh, the New Mexico Supreme Court ultimately said that she had to, that it was a violation of uh, New Mexico's anti-discrimination law uh, because, uh, as you said, a photography business or any small business, I guess, uh, is a public accommodation akin to a restaurant or a hotel that if you throw open your, bo- your doors for business, you have to serve all comers. But that's not true of almost any, any business that is, as you say, artistic. Right. You can't uh, uh, force a writer, say. So you have a a freelance writer who writes press releases and does other corporate communications or what have you, uh, and is asked by a religious organization to uh, to do some communications work for them, and he objects. He he uh, finds their beliefs don't uh, accord with him. According to the New Mexico ruling, um, uh, he would be in violation of the law because he's discriminating based on religion. That seems absurd that you can force someone to craft some sort of expression, call it artistic, call it uh, uh, whatever, but you're being compelled uh, to express a particular message or just to speak uh, in general. And this goes against uh, a whole series of Supreme Court rulings. Probably the most famous one is a 1977 case called Woolley versus Maynard involving the live free or die license plate in New Hampshire, uh, where the plaintiff successfully sued, uh, saying that uh, the court ruled that you don't have to Uh, be forced to display this state message of live free or die. And indeed, in my personal experience here in D.C., um, the slogan is taxation without representation. Well, I didn't feel like uh, uh, expressing that or any other particular political message on my license plate, so I had the right and I exercised that right to ask for an alternative license plate, and that's the case around the country. Almost every time a business engages in Uh, some deal with someone else or another business, there is discrimination at work. You're choosing who to uh, associate with. And how do we go about the process or how have courts gone about the process of allowing the government to say, well, you can discriminate on this basis, but not this basis. And we're going to determine what basis you are using for the purposes of the discrimination that you're engaged in. Well, the word word discrimination is itself loaded. uh, But Uh, In its neutral sense, it simply means choosing. Uh, Right now, I am engaging in discrimination by recording this podcast with you rather than some other, uh, you know, technical audio producer. Uh, I'm engaging in discrimination by working for the Cato Institute rather than some other think tank or practicing law or whatever the case may be. I'm engaging in discrimination by picking up my coffee at Starbucks rather than another coffee shop. Uh, And I'm engaging discrimination by picking my friends, uh, picking the woman who I married, I mean, a whole host of uh, uh, things like that. Um, It's part of our constitutionally protected freedom of association uh, and and freedom, liberty generally, to go about your life uh, as you choose. Now, from that, uh, the government or governments at various levels have carved out exceptions. So, 
for example, most famously uh, during the Jim Crow era, the civil rights uh, uh, battle, uh, to combat uh, the state-mandated segregation uh, in the Jim Crow South, the Civil Rights Act said that if you run a public accommodation, a hotel or a restaurant typically, uh, you have to serve everyone without regard to race. And then uh, race, along with sex and certain other categories, religion, national origin, have become what are called protected classes under the law. And so you cannot make that discrimination for purposes of your business or public accommodation or what have you uh, on that grounds. Uh, no government yet has tried, although I wouldn't put it past them, trying to forbid discriminating uh, among who you're going to be friends with, say, or who you're going to marry based on any of those so-called protected classes. And of course now, uh, in, the, in the era where we're debating uh, marriage equality with very sweeping changes in public opinion and laws across the country, which uh, I, of course, applaud in, in my Wall Street Journal uh, op-ed with Eugene Volokh. We note that we're supporters uh, of marriage equality, uh, and yet uh, we're also supporters of, of liberty and, and the uh, ability to say, I don't want to uh, be seen expressing a message uh, supporting this, particularly when, uh, as we note, in the Albuquerque area alone, where this wedding photography case originates, there are more than 100 photographers who are willing to take anybody's uh, 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 business. This isn't the case like the Jim Crow South, where no restaurant or no hotel wanted to serve blacks. It seems like the dividing line here is basically whether or not you're operating a business as a business or as an individual. Well, that could be a dividing line. That's not the way that the courts have been ruling that have ruled uh, in these cases. You know, it's not just the New Mexico wedding photographer. There's also uh, a baker in Oregon. There's a florist in Washington state. Those are perhaps slightly less expressive, although you can make a very strong argument that baking a particular type of cake, not just a you know generic thing to have at home, but a wedding cake or a specific type of floral arrangement is artistic expression or what have you. And then you get further removed to limousine services or caterers or, or what have you, where the First Amendment argument, at least the speech argument, falls away and you uh, argue what's constitutionally tougher, although from a libertarian perspective, uh, a strong argument about freedom of uh, association. So uh, I don't know where or how, uh, you know, I hope the Supreme Court takes this case. They'll be deciding very soon whether to do so to clarify exactly um, uh, what kind of uh, uh, individuals or businesses or how exactly the right to freedom of speech works, because I don't think there really would be a difference if Elaine Photography had a storefront where you could go into or all uh, uh, meetings were by appointment. Uh, or whether you actually had to seek out the person because of a Facebook page or what the case may be. It seems odd to say that one of those might be the dividing line where the person, uh, Elaine and, and John Huguenin, feel the offense in exactly the same way. Uh, and at the end of the day, there's kind of a broader question about toleration and common sense here. Uh, why would you want to force somebody who uh, disapproves of your union, whether it be because it's same sex, whether it's because it's interfaith or you're remarrying after divorce or whatever the case, because it's on a Wednesday and you don't like Wednesdays, whatever the case might be, uh, why would you want to force that when you have so many uh, uh, alternatives? I, I think a lot of these cases, uh, unfortunately, are are manufactured for, for no real reason. As I said, there's not a, a systematic state-supported uh, you know, anti-gay marriage photography uh, legislation on the books or anything like that. And why would you want somebody who doesn't like you doing performing this service at on an important day for you? Sure, sure. And and it's it's happened. Uh, you know, I, I mentioned the Oregon baker. Uh, in that case, they they were long term clients, or I think it's the Washington florist, long term clients. 
uh, that then wanted to uh, get married, and, and they were they were gay. Uh, and the florist said, "Hey, I've I've you know you've been great clients of mine, but I just can't do this particular." Uh, arrangement, so it's not uh, you know these are these are tricky things. But in a pluralistic society, the way that we have to live, I think, is to maximize liberty for everyone. And if you can just go across the street to a different Florence, that's a much less of a burden uh, than forcing someone to do something uh, expressive or, uh, or or even uh, uh, non-expressive to do something that that violates them morally. This uh, individual freedom of mind, as the Supreme Court has said, long before even the New, Me- the, uh, New Hampshire license plate case in the, in the 40s, uh, the court ruled that people can't be compelled to say the Pledge of Allegiance or salute the flag, these sorts of things. I don't know what the interest is in just bending people's will to the uh, grindstone of the state. Uh, uh, and uh, again, unless you're talking about these unique circumstances like the Jim Crow South, um, uh, I, I think we need to try to avoid forcing people to do things that they don't want to. Ilya Shapiro is a senior fellow in constitutional studies at the Cato Institute. You can read his co-authored op-ed in today's Wall Street Journal in print and at Cato.org.